Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, where we interview the senior leaders in large accounting firms and networks to talk about juicy topics like leadership, vision, culture, talent, growth, change, performance and strategy. I'm your host Rob Brown and I'm delighted to introduce today's guest, who is the managing partner of award-winning accounting firm Sobel Rhodes. Andrew Rhodes, welcome to the show. Good day. Sasha to have you on the show, Andrew. And for the benefit of people that may not know you, just tell us a bit about your background and your areas of expertise, which I think are many. <laughs> well, thanks for asking me. Um, currently, I'm the managing partner of Sobel Rhodes, so we're a 50-man firm of chartered accountants, business consultants, and tax advisors. Originally, I was a very traditional sort of accountant. I did the whole range of the normal accounts, audit taxation stuff until about 25 years ago I decided to break away from my old firm and start Sobel Roads and from that point on I decided we're actually going to be a bit different to other accounting firms and much more orientated towards consulting work rather than just dealing with historical accounts and tax returns so in addition to being managing partner I actually decided to personally specialize in business advisory services alongside my own particular interest in marketing and also bringing new clients to practice. How hard do you feel it is Andrew for accounting firms to differentiate themselves? I actually don't think it's as difficult because there's a wider aspect to being an accountant. There's many of us that are actually saying we're not just chartered accountants, we're business consultants, tax advisors. And I think we cover a lot more areas than we did hitherto. And certainly when I first started, when it was just the account returns and audit was a, was about it, not many people actually went to the area of business advice. So I think the opportunities are there to differentiate yourself and do one particular aspect of you know, what is within the whole accountancy profession. I think we're now taking on people from different walks of either life or background, so we can offer a wider range of services as well. I think it's all to do with the passion you've got for wanting to be different and mm. to differentiate yourself. And if you want got a value price proposition um, that you want to put about, then you've got no alternative other than differentiate yourself, both the service that you give, and also if you want to get the price, it's going to be profitable for you and your partners. Mm. What kind of shape do you feel the accounting profession is in at the moment? Actually, I don't think it's in a pretty good shape. There are a number of firms that maybe don't see the acceleration and the technology that's going to impact on us in the future. And generally, I would say accounting firms must be feeling that they've got to change more. And there are some that I know are complacent. And I don't want to think that that's something that we suffer from. And those that are complacent may very well find that their ability to service clients and retain clients lessens as low-cost providers come in alongside us, or even from that matter the outsourcers possibly coming into the UK directly rather than through accountancy firms. But the firms that actually have spread their wings like us and want to develop themselves and go into the areas where they can support businesses and possibly individuals more widely, I think there are great things. Now, MTD is a great opportunity. We're going to be able to see our clients more often discuss figures on their finances as well as how well they're progressing probably more frequently and more quickly than we have do hitherto. So technology is going to be a challenge but at the same time we've got MTD and if like us, you know, you're really keen on providing business advisory services, I think it's a great opportunity and we're gearing up for it. So I think it's just how complacent you are. We don't know what's going to happen with Brexit, but we've all had a good time probably the last 20, 25 years. So there are a lot of complacent accountants around, but I think the next five or 10 years, as you know, are going to be really interesting. Well, complacent accountants makes way for accountants like yourself that are very strategic and purposeful and differentiated. There's more opportunities for you. I think so. Yeah. Now you often call the strategic accountant, Andrew. How did that come about? 
when I decided to create Sobel Roads, we were in the situation where I take over our share of the debt of the previous firm, almost a million pounds, and that's 25 years ago. Mm. I decided I'd concentrate on helping clients with their business planning, profit improvement strategy. And from that moment on, that's been my own primary specialization and gradually over the years, acquired that reputation. And you were one of the early adopters of a, an advisory-based firm, weren't you? What did you see back then that perhaps others didn't? It was always a good way of mm. bringing business. So I've actually always closely associated the two because a differentiator is, you know, an accountant might not can be judged on price. But I think, you know, if you can show that actually what you're about is not just, um, you know, doing the figures historically, but looking forward to the future and helping clients. To me, it was always a differentiator. And to me, it was always a good way of bringing clients, you know, was a way of me satisfying that particular need and um, alongside the ability to, you know, help them improve and develop their businesses, become more successful. And in that way, they were going to refer, they refer me to other people. Mm. People that orientate towards that area do naturally acquire more clients. And of course, my partners can do a lot of the technical things that I can't. So it brings on all the technical and compliance areas alongside business advisory. In those days, it was really, you have one accountant. Nowadays, we act for a lot of people that don't, may have their own traditional accountant, but we'll do the business advisory work alongside them and support them wherever necessary. Yeah. I suppose what you said is a more structured approach to providing business advisory services. Yeah. What I wanted to do is actually provide it in a structured way so that not only me, but also my partners and colleagues could do it as well with their own clients. Therefore, we could show that we have a systematic approach to doing it that isn't just one person having a particular penchant, but it's something that we could roll out throughout the firm. And increasingly so, that's been the case. And are you of the school that compliance is dead or dying, Andrew? No, no. I think it has a place. Our own business plan over the five years is to be predominantly consulting. And at the moment, although we do a lot of consulting, probably there's more than 50% in doing compliance. I think they're alongside MTD coming in. I think there'll be clients that want our support in producing figures that are accurate enough for them to want to put into the revenue. And I think there are a number of other areas that maybe previously we didn't think were compliant, but maybe an actual fact are, like there's due diligence and when people want to acquire businesses, hmm. certain aspect of maybe corporate finance. So I don't think it's dead. I just think there are many more challenges, if not on price, but also on technology that we're going to have to cope. So we either have to be working alongside them and not necessarily keeping, you know, we're going to have to put the old ways, you know, to some extent uh, to bed and look to the new ways working alongside technology and the new opportunities that either MPD or who knows with Brexit come about. Mm. Now you've got a very strong personal brand, Andrew. I know you've built that intentionally over the years. You've certainly won a lot of awards. How integral has the awards been to building your personal brand and that of firm? I think the, the awards that we've, you know, if you don't, if you're not in it, you don't win it, so to speak. But it, I think it's the desire of myself, and my team really to be the best we possibly can. And as you say, I think one of your introduction, your main introduction actually is you want to be, if you want to be a world-class accountant, you've got to be ambitious. Mm. Um, and the accolade of winning a top award is a great feeling. It's a bit like winning a football in the FA Cup. So it's the good feelings that gives us and the marketing opportunities it also provides. Is that where the key benefits are in the marketing opportunity? I think it's the internal feelings that one gets as a feeling of confidence within the firm. <laughs> Very often, um, more than possibly the outward marketing benefits, except really it's worked exceptionally well when it comes to recruiting people. Yes. And nowadays, us, like I'm sure a lot of other firms, really have more of a challenge recruiting good people and talented people than we do clients. So yeah, it's helped our brand. To some extent, it's helped my brand as well. But I think it's also helped the fact that in actually recruiting people, and particularly, I mean, out of all of those awards, I probably put the Invest in People Gold Stand Award at the top of it because it's probably the most rigid in terms of how they go about assessing us. And to me, that particular award, as well as some of the others, actually provides a framework for getting better and better and some 
some accountability in doing that. You know, we've been accredited now three times the gold standard, and I think only one in 50 investing people accredited organisations have got that. So that's actually been a very big help with our, our recruitment recently. And is there any secret to winning awards apart from just being good? <laughs> um, one of the secrets, I think, is to go to enter an award, if it's a significant award like the British Accountancy Awards we won, really early, look at the fr- look at the criteria and start thinking about how well you match that criteria. I'm aware that a lot of businesses just, you know, towards the, well, before just before the final deadline date for putting in your application, you know, scramble around, get an award. For us, we've always actually gone into it very early and we've, we've used the framework to actually help us to improve our own internal systems and it doesn't matter whether it's the award renovation or the client service or whatever it happens to be. And how would you describe the culture at Sobel Roads? I'd like to think it's a very abundant culture. We're very much orientated towards high levels of client service. One of the things that actually I did before I even started doing the strategy plan for Sober Roads 25 years ago, and it may have been inspired by Paul Dunn, actually, and Paul Dunn's still going nowadays. And it was this idea of, you know, having very strong service commitments. And I came out of that creating the Sober Roads, what I wanted to be our service commitment. And the people actually that I wanted to come to the firm, I wanted them to abide by that. So to me, that service commitment was fundamental because it not only was how we were going to service clients, but also represented you know, my values and the sort of values that I wanted from people that were going to join the firm as well. And actually, to this day, I haven't changed that service commitment by one word. And the other thing we've done that has actually had a big impact on our culture is our Monday morning awesome service. Okay. Uh, which is has been going for 25 years as well, every single Monday without fail. First 15 to 30 minutes, everybody meets up and we go through what's gone well in the last week and what's maybe not gone so well or what we can do about it. And the feedback we received from client service questionnaires and we reward people that have gone the extra mile with an awesome award, we call it, or dinner for two or anything else that you know really is important to them. We also do you know, client of the month. We vote on the one that we most enjoyed working with. They get an award and trophy as well. And I guess it's really important, Andrew, isn't it, that you attract the right kind of clients that you can properly service and look after. So how do you go about attracting these, I think you call them entrepreneurial A category clients, don't you? Yeah. As you say, I think the best way to attract clients is by referrals to get the quality of referrals, the type of clients you want. Mm. And they don't just happen because you can be, you know, you have great service and great advice. You've got to be proactive in the way that you do it. I think there are three things that you've got to have in place for that to happen. You've got to have a really good marketing engine whereby you've identified the sort of clients you want to act for and the ones that you've successfully acted for in the past. So you get a really good flow of, and a pipeline of good quality prospects. You've got to have a value price proposition that differentiates you and is attractive for sort of clients, those A-category entrepreneurs that typically are going to want business advisory services and, and the sort of selling system and a high conversion rate. So specialist industry groups, the property niche is a big niche for us. So we've created power circles for the property sector. We meet with other professionals and service providers on a monthly basis and we just share common issues but also look for referral opportunities for each other. The big thing, we've got a big source of referrals. It's not always the entrepreneurs but it's high quality clients is the International Accountants Association and I said alongside bringing a world-class service I think you've got to provide um, you know service on a worldwide basis so we've now got firms around the world and in fact 150 offices around the world that are referring clients to each other and to us particularly in the UK I don't think referrals are like good wine they don't actually mature and improve if left unattended they're more like geez they probably go rotten (laughs) and it's really important I think to give referrals to people who actually will give the service intention that reflect well on us if you give a rotten service then my reputation and you know, Sober Rose is going to be a damage. So I've created a number of referral service agreements, particularly with people who share our values. And now using LinkedIn, if I have a referral session with somebody, I can provide them with 10 to 20 qualified referrals in one session. Um, and I That's actually don't, yeah, yeah, I don't like asking. Actually, I don't like actually asking for referrals. But if I 
I've given them 10 or 20 referrals and they're qualified, and let's say 50% of them turn into clients, then by the law of reciprocation, they want to return the favor. Sure. And I've got less hesitation at asking them to introduce me to people that I've spotted who are their LinkedIn connections yeah. um, that could be good clients for us. And the sort of ones that I think are entrepreneurial, they might be in our niche as well. And I might get not as many, I might get up to 10 qualified referrals. To but that's worked really well. You mentioned value pricing a couple of times, Andrew. What's your best advice on value pricing? How do you define it? I think it's the ability to, number one, differentiate yourself so you're not just compared on price with other accountants doing the same things. Um, and yes, you can say you're better. But I think if I value price, you can actually identify things that they have both a need and a want for um, and are prepared to pay the price. And sometimes it's not immediately obvious to them the price that they may ne- they may actually have to pay. So I'm a big believer and I've been following people like you know, Ron Baker and, and Mark Wickersham for some time now. Um, but the, the whole aspect of anchoring and identifying for a client, if we don't do something or they don't do something, this could be the cost of them. And if we can help them with it, then it's only fair that we get paid a fair price. And we probably put more emphasis on this over the last two or three years than we have done in the past. But we are getting, and, and it's not, I'm not exaggerating, two, three times the price that we were previously getting for our services before we started doing that. Goodness. And it's not just the fact that we're charging more per hour or it's even on an hourly basis. It's the fact that I think there's a wider take-up of more services from our firm and therefore we automatically you know, get a higher price overall mm. and we're buying a more extensive service provision than we were hitherto. And it gets us more embedded in what the client's doing, what their aspirations are. And that has been probably the biggest reason, the method of anchoring and also offering tiered pricing so that I don't feel I'm selling to a client. You know, they can decide what options they want once we've made it clear the upside and downside you're an advisory led firm you've taken up that position quite early on what advice would you give to accountants listening that want to do the same thing i was listening to a presentation at our local charter account society meeting a little while ago and the presenter was saying this is how you can provide business advice to your clients and he actually asked the question of the audience i believe there are about 180 accountants in the room almost all of them were in practice and he asked for a show of hands is how many of those accountants actually have a written business plan for their own practice and actually three hands went up and they were myself and my two parts. Breaking. And to me, that's amazing. So I believe that if you're going to be offering business advisory services, you should be doing it yourself and on yourself. And even though I've facilitated hundreds, maybe even over a thousand planning meetings, we still every six months have an external person come into our practice. And when we go away for our you know, six monthly strategy meeting, they facilitate it. They ask us the questions that maybe we wouldn't ask ourselves. And they're difficult sometimes. Maybe we want to run to avoid. And I think you've got to walk your talk. And if you're going to be serious about offering business advisory services, start with it on yourself. I believe a lot of accountancy firms may not be doing that. Do you have any golden rules, Andrew, for being successful in life, practice and business generally? My golden rule, I think, is to be excited about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. Well, you sound very passionate, so that's a good start. (laughs) And on a Sunday evening, you know, I'm really looking forward to work still because I know I'm going to come in and I'm going to have some exciting things to do. So avoid the routine things. The other thing is walk your talk. We've experimented with things over the years, some of which worked and some of which haven't. I've got 12 gold nuggets of great business and we've experimented them all ourselves. And what would be one or two of those, Andrew, just to give us a flavour? Well, strategy planning is one of them, having a firm service commitment. But I think feedback from clients is essential. And I think sometimes accountants about residents saying, you know, what are we doing? What could we actually improve? And having a systematic way of doing it and using things like net promoter score is a good way of seeing how you rate against competition. The value pricing proposition is really important as well. And another thing that I recognise myself and has been immensely value to me is being a member of a peer group. I'm a member in a greater number of peer groups, some of which have been managing partners of other accounting firms. Um, 
some of which have been mastermind groups with different CEOs. And also it's happened in our international association. We hear international ideas that may not be immediately occurring, uh, you know, obvious in the UK. And people come from a different angle in, in firms abroad. From a peer group is why I formed Sobel Road. And they were able to see that actually my previous firm wasn't what it should be. And there are areas that I couldn't see. And I've continually been a, a peer group advocate. And if a clients can actually take part in a peer group of their own industry, provided they're not competing too closely, then I think it provides immense benefits, particularly if they haven't got a board of directors or non-executive directors can see them from the outside. Yeah. Those are just a few. They're excellent. I couldn't agree more with the the idea of a peer group, mastermind group. And I guess from there come the principal influences in your career, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. I'm more influenced with people that have come from an accountancy background. It may have been they were trained in that area, but to me, it resonates more easily if that's where they may have started. They may not be there at the moment. So I think you've been an accountant, maybe still accountant background. I have not actually. I did train to be an accountant early on, but I didn't pass all the qualifications. So uh, I became a mathematics teacher. <laughs> well, that includes you as well, I think. You started on the, on the road. Richard Walters is one of them. He created the Street Plan Toolkit, and I yeah. followed and ha- had the privilege and pleasure of contributing to some of the business advisory tools that he's used, as well mm. as creating our own. Uh, Steve Pipe, also you know, a member of AVN, and I think you know as well. And there's Mark Wickersham on value pricing, and also Andy Bound, who started off as an accountant, one of the masters of networking and selling. I think when you've come from that background, you can understand how it translates and how you can do things professionally but still in a commercial way. Mm. Those are some of my principal people that have influenced me in my career. They'd be on my list too, Andrew. You've got very good taste. (laughs) (laughs) You've obviously got your own firm there that you're managing, but do you help other accountants? I mean, how do you share all this best practice with other firms? We didn't always do it. A few years ago, so I started a training group for other accountants when I wanted to get the best trainers for ourselves so I could get my people up the highest possible standard and they were expensive. So I thought, well, everybody's got to do CPD. I'll start offering all the local firms. And the consequence of that is actually we're now having 65 other firms of accountants organising the training for their CPD, but we're also providing them with business advisory skills that we've acquired as well. So that's one of the ways we've done it. And also the peer groups have also been another way of sharing money and knowledge are similar to manure. You pile it all up, it begins to smell. As you spread it around, things grow. So uh, what goes around comes around. And we're happy to support other firms in areas that they can't support themselves. We've got that sort of mentality in it seems to work very well. It's great. We call it being a force for good, don't we? We, we want to change things for the better. Yeah, that gives you a good feeling apart from anything else. Well, definitely. And what do you think might be the legacy of Andrew Rhodes when all this is said and done? <laughs> I'm not intending to retire early on. I get a great deal of pleasure these days in seeing other people develop and knowing you put the things in place to allow them to do so. Because there are a number of firms now that are selling out to some of the consolidators and it remains to be seen whether they're successful. But my ambition and that of my current partners is actually for the firm to continue to grow and develop and bring in new people. So I'm hoping that some of the things I put in place can be developed, but if it helps them to innovate in their own way, then I think I'm going to get pleasure by seeing that happen when I decide that enough is enough or I'll stand back a bit more. Mm. So hopefully the innovation and the excitement that I've got from my career rubs off on them and they have exciting careers that are not what Monty Python or John Cleese described as one of the most boring professions. (laughs) Well, for me, it continues to be an exciting profession and so Rose continues to be an exciting firm. Yeah, this is great, Andrew. And if people want to learn more about what you're doing, perhaps about your peer groups or your firm itself, what's a good way for them to reach you? I think actually a direct email. I don't tend to link up with people that I don't know personally on LinkedIn. So an email to me on my personal email address, and I'm very happy to share whatever I've learnt. And I'm also listening to what other people have learned as well. Super. And just in finishing, Andrew, would you leave the people listening with some words of encouragement, advice, motivation?
motivation to navigate these turbulent waters of the accounting world? I think actually try and be different. Try and follow the different path to others. Try new things. Always looking at different ways to do something. And also one of my golden rules is find the best person you possibly can learn. But wherever it happens to be, whether it's in marketing, whether it's in business advice, technology, find the best person if possible in the country and pay the money to get them in. Well, Andrew Rhodes, that's been inspiring and insightful. Thank you so much for your time today. Pleasure. You've been listening to the Accounting Leaders Podcast with me, Rob Brown. I want to personally thank you for spreading the word and sharing our show with your accounting network. And if you are an accountant who wants to master the skills of winning business for your firm and enhancing your income and career prospects, our Business Development Academy site has some great training for you at bdacademy.pro. Now do connect to me on LinkedIn and at the Rob Brown on Twitter. I'd love to hear what you think about this show and our other hugely popular sister podcast, Accounting Influence. Until next time, enjoy the rest of your day.